died, you saw what I did. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. So you guys still following? Yeah? Okay. Uh, Verse 8, it says, Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. Then uh, Balak, uh, son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. Verse 11, when you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hethersites, and Jebusites, and every other sites. But I gave you victory over them, right? And sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that uh, brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where, where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Father. We pray that you open up our hearts. You speak to us, mighty God, Father. You speak into our minds, mighty God. May we receive your word this morning. We invite your presence to be with us. Father, even in this moment, Father, I just want to pray for, you know, everybody who, uh, who has lost somebody, mighty God, Father. I pray for those, uh, for the tragedy in New Zealand, mighty God, Father. I pray for peace over the country, mighty God. That society, Father, those people that have lost their lives and uh, their families, Father, we pray your comfort over them, mighty God. Father, we pray even for, you know, the flooding that's in uh, Southern Africa and Zimbabwe and Mozambique, mighty God. I pray you help those people, mighty God, Father. I even bring our own country before you, mighty God, right now. Father, I pray for your wisdom to rest upon uh, the government, mighty God, and those in authority, mighty God, Father. I pray, Father, that you would move upon this nation, mighty God, Father. And today, Father, as your people, we are united in prayer, mighty God, Father, lifting up all these countries, all these nations, mighty God. You know, mighty God, you know, uh, you know, what you have in store for us. And Father, we just pray your goodness over every situation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a large chunk of scripture, like I said, and uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua today. And, uh, you know, how many of you can say you've uh, ever gone through a tough season? By show of hands. Anybody ever gone through a tough season? Okay, if you've never been through one, maybe you're going through one now, or as, uh, sorry to break it to you, about to go through one. And, uh, you know, when you go through tough seasons, it's easy to lose heart and to be disheartened and to be discouraged, especially when things are not working out, right? When things are not going the way you thought they would go. And, uh, you know, as people also, it's natural for us to want to sort things out, isn't it? To get uh, to, you know, and sometimes we take matters into our own hands. And, uh, you know, when things are not going our way, you know, I know this is then when things are not going so good, it ends up, you know, even sometimes producing other problems. You know, I know people, because life is not going so well, you know, people end up being depressed and they have anxiety problems. And, you know, people have bitterness. And uh, you ever felt hopeless in any situation where you think, you know what? You know, I just don't know what to do. You know, and as Christians, you would think 
that, you know, in these situations it might be easier to go through because maybe we've got that confident hope because we know that it's going to be okay and we know that God is on our side and all those things. But how I many you know that it's easier said than done? You know, sometimes as believers, the first thing we do when we're in tough situations, we worry, right? You know, and uh, we know we shouldn't worry, but that's somehow naturally our first response. And we have that sort of head knowledge of faith. But, uh, you know, having faith and exercising faith are two different things. It's very difficult to exercise faith, especially when you're going through a tough season. And our pastor, a few weeks ago, he gave a message uh, titled, uh, you know, God, are you, are you there? How many have ever asked that question? You know, when you're going through that tough time and God seems distant, he seems silent or he's not working or he's inactive, and you end up, you know, like, God, are you actually even there? And, you know, our elder Ian, he spoke on, uh, you know, dealing with doubt. Because sometimes you even start doubting if God loves you, if God cares about your situation. Or you even doubt God's very existence. And then Jimmy, Jim spoke about, you know, against all odds that we should hope. You should have hope. You know, uh, previously, Leah had also spoken that it's not over until God says so. So we should have hope. Because God is for us, as we heard from Neil last week. You know, God is for us. And, you know, it's easy then to have our faith stirred up. We come into church and we are surrounded by other people who are agreeing with the preacher. And, you know, sometimes it's easy like, oh, you know what? I know God is for me. And then you walk out the door, you go home, and you're faced with that problem again. Then even in that moment, you know, yes, God is for me. But then... Sometimes it's easy, we quickly forget that he is for it because it's like, yes, I know it's for me, but I'm faced with that problem right now. I have to deal with this right now. And, um, you know, we all, and it's easy. And you know what? I thank God because, yes, we can walk out and God has given us physical evidence and physical reminders that, you know, he is able to do what he says he will do. I'll say that again. He is able to do what he says he will do. You know, God will do it. You know, we go home and we might not have each other here. We might not have the preacher, but we have the word of God. And in this book, there's stories of God coming through, breaking through for people time and time again. And today I'm here to tell you that he will do it again. He will do it again, church. And, you know, it's very difficult. Again, I know, I know it's easier said than done. But you know what? This, in as much as some, a lot of people have tried to discount the words that are written in this book, I believe this is a living and active word that serves to remind you and me that God, there's nothing that, God, that surprises God. There's nothing that is happening now that God hasn't dealt with before. And he is prepared to do it all over again. Because what? Like we heard last week, he is for us. He is not against us. God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you and me so that we might have this life. And guess what? He is prepared to do it all over again. That's how much he loves us. You know? And he will do it again. And um, you know, in the first, uh, first service, we had a prophetic word from Lee. And you know, I was so encouraged by it because it literally was God saying, you know what, have I not helped you before? Have I not walked with you before? You just need to have held your hand and we've walked through tough times. Have I not done it before? And you know what? 
it just confirmed that, you know what, God wants to say to some people, to all of us as a church today, that he will do it again. See, we read that scripture in Joshua and, um, you know, the book of Joshua, it's literally, uh, you know, it is a recollection. It's, um, you know, where God, we're looking at God coming through on his promise. See, because God had promised the people, um, the children of Israel, he had promised uh, Abraham uh, to take them to the promised land, which was Canaan, right? So that was way back in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, over 400 years prior to that, God had promised them to take them to this promised land. And guess what? It happened. And the book of Joshua tells you all about how it all happened. And right in this end, Joshua is talking to the people and reminding the people of everything that God has done for them. That's why, see, like I said, you know, sometimes you might be going through a tough time, a tough season right now. And when you read, read scriptures like that, where God came through for other people, you should be encouraged and say, you know what, God, I know you're going to come through for me. You're going to rescue me. You're going to comfort me. You're going to heal me. You're going to provide for me. You're going to break through for me. That's what the word of God is all about. See, and uh, you know, so the children of Israel, God had promised to bless Abraham, as it says on the screen. God would choose the right time for Israel to enter Canaan. He had promised to give all the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants. God promised to help the Israelites to drive out all the evil nations from Canaan. Because here's the thing, church, when God promises you something, right? Just because those promises might be held up or they might be in some in a place where you actually need to do some fighting yourself. Do you know that? That God, you have to be prepared to fight for what God has for you. Because guess what? Just because God has promised something to you does not mean the enemy is not fighting against you. The enemy does not want you to take hold of what God has for you. So you have to be prepared. And this is what happens with the children of Israel that, you know what? God had promised them this land. But in order for them to possess that promised land, they had to do some fighting. They had to clear out some of the things that were not of God because the people that were living in that land, they were full of all sorts of wickedness. And God was like, you know what? You as my chosen people, church, as God's chosen people, we ought to be the example of how the world should be living. We shouldn't take our example from the world. So they were to get into that place and be an example and not mix with the people that were already in there because what? They were full of all sorts of wickedness. So the Israelites were to be an example of um, right living and uh, they had to clear out all the wickedness because they were called to purity and they were also to destroy anything that would tempt them away from worshiping God. See, you and I have got, we can stand on God's promises, amen? We can read the word of God. We see that God has got good things ahead in store for us. But guess what? We also need to get rid of all the things that can tempt us away from worshiping him. Because you know what? When God promises you something and when he comes through on those promises, he does that so that he gets the glory. And sometimes when we stand on those promises, when God does break through, we sometimes forget. And it's easy to get sidetracked. Because I believe sometimes as believers, you can see where our hearts truly are when we are in great suffering and when we are in great blessing. Because when we're in great blessing, sometimes it's easy to forget God. Sometimes you get that pride and you think that you did this all by yourself. 
But remember Joshua when he was re- reminding what God has done, what had God had done for the Israelites. Like, no, 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 it's not your skill that did this. It was God who fought for you. See, so that breakthrough that you have, it's not because of your own brilliance. It's actually because God is fighting for you. God is doing something behind the scenes. So after all of this, you know what? God then tells Joshua that, you know, Joshua, I want you to lead my people into the promised land. This is after, you know, God had promised Abraham like uh, this promised land for over 400 years prior to that. And it had finally come time for it to happen. And Joshua was one of only two people. Can you imagine who had been in slavery, gone through wilderness, and then entered the promised land? Joshua was one of only two people who had left slavery and get to see the promised land, right? So he says in Joshua 1, Joshua chapter 1, going right back to the beginning of Joshua, right? It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, right? The Lord spoke to Joshua and said, you know what? Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving you. I promise you what I promised Moses. If you've got your Bibles, you know, underline these scriptures, all right? Highlight them or whatever you do. It says, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, right? And in uh, verse 5, it says... No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I I will not fail you or abandon you. Isn't that a great promise of the Lord? Speaking over you today that, you know, I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. See, somebody needs to hear that today. That, you know what, no one will be able to stand against you. No one will be able. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them, no one will be able to stand against you. See, and that is a great promise to behold, ain't it? And then, I love this in verse, in verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead the, these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. And then again, it says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you, right? And then in verse 8, study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, somebody say, only then. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And then, verse 9, he says it again. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So why then, when we're going through trouble, when we're going through tough times, do we then get disheartened? Why do we get discouraged? Because God says, I will not, I'm, I'm there, I will be with you. I've given you this land. I, I, I have overcome for you. I've broken through. I'll do it. So do not be. And it's like you said, this is my command. It's a command to be strong and to be courageous. But then sometimes we worry. We're afraid of the future. Oh, but when that envelope comes through the post, you know those brown envelopes? Or sometimes, you know, you will be confident or whatever with that red lettering. You're like, oh, no. Ones that you don't open till the very last minute. I've got a pile of those envelopes. All right. So, see, Joshua, Joshua was Moses' assistant, right, and successor. Uh, like I said, he was one of only two adults who experienced uh, the slavery in Egypt and still lived to enter the promised land. 
Right? He led the Israelites into God, uh, their God-given homeland, and he was a brilliant military strategist. When you read through the book of uh, Joshua, you realize that, you know what, this guy was, was it. You know what I mean? He, he was brilliant. And you know, he was faithful to ask God's direction in all the challenges he faced. And that's the thing, church. We need God on our side. He already is on our side, but we need God on our side. We need to ask God, every time we have challenges in our lives, we need to be asking God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to? Because I'm, I'm, I tell you, we get into a lot of trouble when we take matters into our own hands. When we try to fight our own way. When we try to overcome certain situations, how we have always done it. Because I think that is one of the greatest traps of uh, believers today is we do things because that's how we've always done it. Just because that's where, what we did, that's what the ancestors did, that's what so... And then God is like, you know what? No, I want you to do it my way. Because it's only God's way that we can succeed, amen? And then, Joshua, I like Joshua because he showed that the person we follow will have an effect on the person we become. And he was, you know, he, he learned a lot from Moses. He learned to put God first, amen? Right, so, and what strikes me is that, you know, Long before Joshua was even born, uh, you know, with the, God had promised the Israelites that they would enter into the promised land, right? So, in effect, when Joshua took over, when Joshua was leading the Israelites, guess what? His success was guaranteed. Joshua's success was guaranteed. And that's what I want to say to you today. Like, you know, when God has promised you something, it is as good as done. It is as good as done. And Joshua knew this, right? Deuteronomy 31, 7 says, Moses called for Joshua, right? This is Moses. Moses actually said what God repeated later. He says, be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their uh, grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. See, and you can read this, that all of this actually happened later. Moses said it, and it actually happened. Why? Because when God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen, church. It's not for us to work out how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. All we need to trust is that it is going to happen, right? See, but what the thing is, we are now a generation that we, we are now the two-minute generation. You know, the two-minute generation, we, we expect everything just like that. We no longer prepare proper meals. We just get those ready-made meals from Tesco that go in two minutes in the microwave and that's it. Hello? We're not prepared to wait. Most of us, we are the impatient people that we pray, we expect that, you know, oh God, we come to church. God, would you break through for me? And yes, we expect that we're going to expect, we've got a check waiting for us at home. God doesn't work like that. Because if he worked like that, guess what? We would be a spoiled people, wouldn't we? How many of you parents, show, show of hands, how many of you parents always, always give your children whatever they ask the first time they ask for it? <laughs> Evangeline was like, yeah, me, you know. But, you know, I remember, I remember being told no quite a lot of times from my mom. And I thank God for it. Because you know what? It, taught, it teaches you to appreciate what you eventually get even more. 
And some parents, though, say, you know what, you have to get good grades, you have to do your chores, you have to do all these things before you can get the blessing. And you know what, and because of that, when you do actually get the blessing, you manage, you know, you, you appreciate it even more, won't you? And then you look after it, because I've learned that anything that comes easy, we don't actually look, look out for it. But when we are prepared to wait for it, then we can actually say, you know what, to God be the glory. This would not have happened had it not been for God. And this is what was happening with the Israelites. And then, you see, just because God had promised the land to the Israelites, it did not mean that it would come easy. See, some of God's promises will not come easily, guys. In Joshua 11, it says, Joshua waged war with all these kings for a long time. No city made peace with the Israelites except the Hivites who inhabited Gibeon. All of them, all of them were taken in battle. Are we actually prepared to go in battle for what God has for us? Church, are you prepared to go for a ba- in battle for what God has for you? Because we have to. Because the enemy does not want us to then get what God has for us and then we give glory to God and sing God's praises. The enemy wants us to start doubting God. So he will oppose whatever God has for us. He will try to prolong. He will try to fight you against. He will try to get you to take things into your own hands and then you end up in a mess. But like the Israelites, we have to be prepared to fight for what God has for us. That land that we've been promised, you say, you know what, God, I am standing on your promises and I'm going to fight for this in prayer. I'm going to fast and pray. Even if it's children that have gone astray, I'm going to pray for these children. You know, my wife and I, we, are, we lead the young adults group. And you know what, church, I want to encourage you. Let's pray for the young people in this church. Right from the post to junior church, we should be fighting. Because you know what? God has promised that these children are going to prosper. I believe it with all my heart. I keep telling our pastor that some of these, you know, some of these young people that you be like, that are frustrating. I know that they're going to be okay eventually. I know that. But guess what? Who doesn't want that to happen? The enemy doesn't want that to happen. The world out there that we keep complaining about, they do far more to take our kids away. I mean, you look at some of the things that they propose to teach some of the young people in these schools, and you realize that we've got a fight on our hands. And we need to be on our feet day and actually go into battle and say, you know what? No, we cannot ha- let this happen. We cannot let the world take our children away. We cannot let these young people go astray. That is what our call is. That's what we should be doing. As a body, as a people, we fight for what God has promised us. Amen? God's way of doing things will involve unexpected methods. See? And God's methods are superior to ours. Did you know that? God's methods are superior to ours. So what happened is, right, uh, this promised land, they were about to enter into it. So Joshua sent spies into, into the promise, like, go and check out this, this place that we're about to get into, right? And then these two spies, the place where they stayed for the night was at a place, a lady had a very interesting career. Very interesting career. In Joshua chapter 2, right, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp, right, uh, at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Yeah, I said an interesting career. But, you know, even though her profession 
with her profession, she would have been one of the lowest of low people in the, in the society. They would have looked down on her. But guess what? You can actually read about this lady in the New Testament. Why? Because she was one of those people that facilitated God's promises. And it makes me wonder how many times we might have missed out on God's promises because we didn't like the package or the method of delivery. Because sometimes, see, that's what happens. When God promises something, we suddenly, naturally, right, sometimes without even trying, we start picturing how it's going to come about, how God is going to deliver it. And we start trying to manipulate things to make it work, to make it come quicker. And, oh, you know, God promised whatever. And then God promised the spouse. The next single person walks in. Is that it? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And, and then, and sometimes we end up, end up in a lot of mess because of this. But you know what? I think, you know, we should look to God, focus on God, because sometimes his methods, you know, it says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. I thank God for, because my thoughts, you know, my thoughts are rubbish compared to God's thoughts. You know, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, the way God will bring your blessing might not be exactly what you're expecting. So we have to be aligned with the word of God so that we can recognize when God is doing something in our lives. And we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't turn our nose up just because we don't like the person delivering the message or we don't, you know, we should, hey, You might not like that harvest group, but guess what? Maybe your blessing is locked up in that harvest group. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'll say it. See, and then listen to this. Even when victory was assured, obedience and faithfulness was the key to their success. See, obedience and faithfulness leads to success. See, they obeyed. Now, you, how many know the story of Jericho? You know, how Jericho fall. Like, so, you know, they, they were going to possess this land. They were going to Jericho, right? And God, this is one of the weirdest stories in the Bible, in my opinion, anyway. Because they, they go, this city is coming, right? They, they've been promised this city that they're going to take this land. This, uh, this city has got like fortified walls that nobody can break into and all that kind of stuff. So God says, listen, for six days... Every day, march around this city quietly, right? Don't say anything. Nobody says anything. Just march around it for six days. On the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times, right? First six times, quiet. On the seventh time, I want you to, you know, to just make some noise. And then they did everything that they were asked to do, and the walls came down. You're like, what? God, how did, how did that work? But they had to follow the instructions that they were given right to the T. If anybody had done anything wrong, that would not have happened. See, imagine God telling you, you said, God, God, I need a job. Okay, you've applied for a job at a primary school. You want to be a teacher. I don't know. God tells you, go and march around that school one time, you know, for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around that school seven times and then go shouting. At the, you know what I mean? And then how many of you would be like, nah, it's, uh, job center sounds good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But that's, that's, how, that's sometimes how it works. God asks us to do things. Hey, give this m- amount of money. Are you sure? Oh, go to this service. Uh, you know, go to, go to church cleaning. Yeah, God. Ugh. I'll just go on Sundays. But sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't understand or sometimes we are not even comfortable with. 
Because he wants to show us that his, his ways are higher than our ways. And that what? His methods are all superior. And that, you know, he's got all the answers. We don't have all the answers. Right? In Joshua 6, verse 20, it says, When the people heard the sounds of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. See, and I believe, forgive me if my theology is off or whatever, but I believe this story really informs us of why we should not keep quiet during worship. I strongly believe that when, we come, when it comes time to worship, praise and worship our God, right? You should not miss that time and you should not be quiet because as we worship God, as we make some noise, some walls are coming down around our lives. I totally believe that. So when we, when we miss that time, hey, guess what? Some walls are going up, so we should be. And whenever we get a chance to make some noise for the Lord, we should always take it. Huh? Let's make some noise for the Lord right now and make sure that, you know what? And, and as you do that, church, as we do that, see, some walls are coming down. I believe that and see, and God wants us to, be, to believe that when we come into this place that, hey, you know, as soon as Sarata says, good morning, HCC, that's when we're like, yes, we are right in there with her. We're starting to worship. We're making noise and we're saying, you know what, let the walls come down in my life. Whatever those walls of ill health, they're coming down in my life. All those breakthroughs that I need, they're coming down because I'm worshiping God. I'm praising God. I'm making that noise. And they said, they shouted as loud as they could. See, we should be leaving this place without our voices. Fellowship out there should be really quiet because people are like, I can't speak. Because, you know, because my voice went. Because I was, that's how it should be. Come on, church. See, because we complain of the walls. We complain of things. But when it comes to worship, we're just sat there. But God has given us everything that we need to be able to fight these giants in front of us, to break down these walls that are around us. God has given us all that. I think we should take that opportunity. Amen? Amen. See, and it's because of their obedience that the Israelites experienced God's favor. And experience the fulfilled promises. See, God, in Joshua 23, you realize that, uh, you know, God um, gave them rest from their enemies. How many could do with some rest from your enemies? Right? Our modern day enemies are probably bills, right? How many could do with rest with, from bills? Amen? Yeah? I'm like, you know what? I need them some rest from those enemies in Jesus' name. That was brown envelopes. Um, see, and God fought for them against their enemies, right? And God gave them the promise, the land that he had promised. See, and we also have experienced God's promises and goodness in our lives at one point. And, we, and I'm here to tell you that, you know what? He will do it again, church. Amen. Do not be discouraged. Yeah. Do not be disheartened. You might be going through some tough times now, but God will come through again because he's done it before. He's done it before. See, here are some of God's promises that, you know, he promises us. Are you ready, church? God promises that he will fight for you. In Exodus 14, 14, it says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm, right? He will always be with you. See, Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And I was so blessed when, when Princess brought that word. It says, you know what? God is on your side. 
God is on your side, church. He will fight for you. He will always be with you. He goes before you. He will renew your strength. How many could do so with some strength from the Lord today? See, he will renew your strength. And, you know, as I was praying for this, you know, this morning, I, you know, I'm not, you know, you know, the prophetic type of it. But, you know, even God showed me a few faces as I was doing this that, you know what, where's Jason? Jason and Chris Aylid. You know, God is going to renew your strength. God is going to renew your strength. Listen to, what it, listen to what it says in Isaiah 40. He says, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. See, and, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Yes. See, I, and I believe it in all my heart. Here's another one. He will give you hope. He will give you hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. See, like I said, when we started, how many of you ever felt hopeless? When you're faced with a situation and you're like, you know what? Ah, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to come through this. But God says, you know what? I've got good plans for you. You've got a future. You know, whatever you're facing in front of you, this is not the end, church. It's not the end of you. You've got a future in God. You've got a hope in him. Amen? How about this? He will help you. I mean, you could do with some help from the Lord. Amen. See, I, all of us could do with some help. Where, you know, sometimes we face situations where, where you're like, you know what, God, I need your help. I told a story, right, in first service when I was in college. When I was in college, uh, I, used to, I went to a college called Regent College. Anybody know it? Regent College. In, oh, cool. Let, you went to Regent College? Oh, no. All right. <laughs> I went to a college. It wasn't region. Anyway, I'm joking. Colin, I'm joking. All right. So I went to like, uh, so I had exam, and we lived in town, which is like probably about 10, 15 minutes walk away from, uh, from college. And uh, so I had exams, right? And uh, this one time, for some reason, I had two exams that were clashing. I was, I think, maths and um, media, right? And uh, they were at nine o'clock. Now, with the media exam, right? Let me explain to you. Media exam, what we used to do is you'd get like, uh, a commercial advert, an advert, and then you had to review it, like, you know, write an essay about what all these colors mean and all these kinds of things and stuff like that. So here I am, exam at 9 o'clock, write two exams at 9 o'clock class in. I woke up at 5 to 9. I missed my alarm. Woke up at 5 to 9. I know, right? Shock horror. I, I just... You know, quickly, I didn't even shower, I did I just got in, you know, just put on some clothes, took my calculator and a pen, and I quickly ran to college. And then, so what they would do, like, with this, so I decided, I had to decide, go to the maths exam or the media exam. So I was like, okay, I'll go to the media exam first. But what would happen is they'll show you this advert three times, right? The first two times you're just watching, right, watching and stuff. Then the third time you can take down some notes and then after that you get to write your essays. So I get to college about 10 past nine, right? Into the media exam, I'd missed the first two showings of this advert, so straight to the third one, right into, and then, do you know, you know, I never prayed as much as I prayed as I was running to college. God, help me, help me, you know, like I needed God. And um, hey, I was the only person who got an A in that exam. Literally, I, I, you know, I, I mean, but, you know, but that's what God, sometimes, you know, we need God to help us, you know, when you get, you're like, God, right now, there's literally no other way I'm going to get out of this situation except through your hand. 
And we have to believe that God is going to help us. I tell that story. It's a funny story, but I believe that's how God helps us. Amen. In tough situations. And here's another thing. God will protect you. Right? Isaiah 54, 7 says, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. Come on, church. No weapon turned against you shall succeed. He will pour out blessings on us, church. I believe, I believe that, you know, God has got a beautiful building for our church. I believe he's going to pour out blessings on our church so much that, you know what? Listen to what it says in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple, right? If you, and if you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open, open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Let's put God to the test in this church because God has promised us great blessings. See, I believe we're going to have a building so big that we're not going to know how to, what to do with it. We're going to be blessed so much that we are not going to know how, what to do with those blessings. We'll be like, you know what, we're looking for people to bless. Like, hey, do you need a blessing? You know? But I, I believe that. And God has promised, has promised us that. Amen? How about this? He will give you good news. He will give you comfort, freedom, and favor. Listen to this the scripture that Jesus read, right, in Isaiah 61. It said, the spirit um, of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. How many of you have, need that comfort today? There are people who need that comfort. And to proclaim that captives will be released and uh, prisoners will be freed. And I believe that God wants to come into this place and he wants to release some, you know, some bondages. Some people who are addicted to stuff. You know, I walk through our streets of Leicester and you can see that, you know what, God needs to move in this city. There are bondages that need to, even in our people, you know, where, you know, there are addictions that need to be broken. God has said, you know what, I promise you that promise you freedom in this place amen so he says he will give you wisdom see we pray right now you see i mean think our government our people our the people in authority need wisdom in this in this and we and god has promised us wisdom if we ask of it we need to ask and our young people you know where they've come to making decisions about university choices and all the they need wisdom more than anything it's not about whether there's a starbucks at that university it's about is this what god wants in my life they need that wisdom of god it's not about whether there's uh, i can walk to the class or whatever no no it's not about whether they do my course it's about is it what god wants me to do because when we do what God wants us to do, he opens up um, the floodgates of heaven. Amen? All right. He will forgive you. But if, if 1 John 9, uh, 1, 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. See, I, I, I believe God wants, us, wants to forgive us. See, I know, you know, none of us are perfect here. None of us are perfect here. And we all make mistakes. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to forgiveness, it's, some, you know, Sometimes it's, the, it's difficult to forgive yourself. I think forgiving yourself is the hardest thing. You can forgive others sometimes, but forgiving yourself is the hardest thing to do. And I believe that God wants to come into this place and say, you know what, you are forgiven. You can move on. from The past has no hold over you. 
Because sometimes, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, some people I know are crippled with the past. You know, I messed up. I did this. I did that. And you know what? And God wants to come and breathe upon you and move you on in life and say, you know what? I've got a future for you. Your past cannot, you know, hold you back for the promised land that I have for you. Amen? See, he says he will restore our land. He will restore our land. Second Chronicles 7.14 Then if my people, come on church, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, if our church, if us as believers, we humble ourselves and we call upon the Lord and say, you know what, God, would you move upon our country? He says this, he says, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and restore their land. And I think this, this land needs restoring. See, there are many of us who have come from different countries from, you know, where once upon a time there were missionaries coming from this country spreading the gospel. Now it's like the gospel is coming back into this country. And I believe strongly with all my heart that this country will call upon the Lord once again. And it is up, it's up to us as a church, it's up to us as, a, as believers to call upon the Lord and say, God, would you restore this land? Would you restore the name of Jesus in this land? And I believe that, that we have to walk out there. We have to hold that Jesus, that name of Jesus up high and not be ashamed of it. That's how we're going to start to change this land. Amen? And here's what I love. It says, he will give you eternal life. John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jeremiah 29.10 says this. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all. Somebody say all. All All the good things I have promised. See, God wants to do all the good things that he has. He wants to fight for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. All the things that God has promised, he's going to be there for you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. Right? God wants to do all those good things. Amen? And see, like I said, deep down in our hearts, like it says in Joshua 23, he's talking to the people. It says, deep in your hearts, you know that every, every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. See, like I said in the beginning, see, when God promises something, it is as good as done. We just have to align ourselves with him. See, when God says, you know what, I am going to sort that situation out. I am going to heal you. I am going to provide for you. Don't worry about this. Just believe in him. We have to just align ourselves with the Lord. And I believe that because, like I said, this, you read this story in the stories in this book, they're not just stories that you can read. They're just reminders of that. You know what? God has moved on this land before. God has faced this situation before. God has worked in our lives before. And guess what? He will do it again, church. God will do it again. Whatever it is that you're facing today, that giant, that mountain, that obstacle that you want moved, God has done it before and he's going to do it again. And I totally believe that. And, you know, for him to do it again, we must do this. Here are a few things. Write these down. He says, we must be strong and courageous. Church, be strong and be courageous because, you know what? Waiting on God is not easy. Waiting on God is not easy because, you know, I know when you read the Bible, you know, sometimes it's like God stretches, you know, because God will come through in his own timing. Amen. 
We know that, right? God will come through in his own timing, and his timing is always perfect. But sometimes it feels like God is stretching you to the very limit of what you can handle. And you're like, okay, God, do you not see that I'm about to die here? And then God comes through. But, and that's why we need to be strong and courageous in those times. Because when you're waiting on God, that's when temptations come. That's when distractions come. That's when, you know, those whispers, those doubts come. Be like, oh, but God, are you really there? God, will you actually do it? Will you actually come through for me? But God wants to fulfill his promises. We just have to wait upon him. Be strong and courageous, church. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong and courageous. Amen. So I like, I, I like doing that because I have to watch Peter and Princess look into each other's eyes. Be strong and courageous. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just entertaining myself. Amen. All right. <laughs> Number two. Number two says, be obedient to God. See, obedience brings blessings. Church, obedience brings blessings. Exodus uh, 19, it says, Now if you obey me, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. God has called us to be his holy nation, his priests, to be his very special people that he is going to bless, he's going to protect, he's going to uphold with his right hand, he's going to help, he's going to comfort All those good things. But we have to be obedient. We have to trust in him. We have to believe in him. We have to make sure that we are walking in his ways. Because there's no, you know, it's no good us then saying, you know, I believe God God has promised me these good things. But then we start going off the path that he set before us. We have to make sure that we are aligned with his word. Amen. And to, to be aligned with his word, you must constantly read and study God's word. It's not about reading this like it's a novel, right? It's actually getting into this word and saying, you know what, God, what are you saying to me? And don't just, he says, don't just be listeners or readers of the word. Actually do what it says. If you need to kick some bad habits... Do it. If you, because guess what? You know what happened with, um, after Jericho? So when the uh, Israelites went into Jericho and they took the land, right? They were told, like, you know, they were told, you know, uh, there are things that they were supposed to destroy. Some things they were not supposed to keep. And then this one guy thought he was clever. He took stuff that he shouldn't have taken. And guess what happened in the next battle? They, they lost. And God, and you know, so they went to God. Joshua goes to God, like, God, what's happening? How come you said this is going to, you know, you've given us this land. Why is this? And God's like, yeah, because you're not following me. You're not being obedient. There's one amongst you who is actually, who has sinned. And you have to make sure you, get, you do right by God before he can then start and come and uh, uh, start moving again. And sometimes we have to actually look at ourselves and say, you know what? Search me, God. Is there anything that is in my heart? Is there any wicked ways in me? What do I need to do? What do I need to... And, and it's a hard prayer to pray, you know? Because when, you, when you're praying that prayer, God might actually say, yeah, you need to maybe move away from those people. Get, get rid of a few friends. And that's, that's one of the things, especially with our young people. We have to make sure they're in the house of the Lord because sometimes they make friendships or, you know, where they are not good for them. Maybe you need to stop watching that show. Stop listening to those things. or just, You know what I mean? And it's tough. But you know what? If it means that then God is going to move in my life, then yes, it's worth it. Amen? 
Number four, it says, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Not not halfway type of thing where you're just ticking boxes and I'm doing this because I've been told. No, 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 no. Actually, you know, fearing the Lord is not like, oh, I'm afraid of God. It's actually having a deep reverence of who he is. Living your life in such a way that you know this pleases the Lord. See, it goes back to actually living right. See, fearing the Lord is like, you know what? Am I living in such a way that pleases my creator? And that's what we need to do. And serving him wholeheartedly. It's like, you know what? God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. See, because, you know, we can serve God wholeheartedly even in our jobs. When we work, because guess what? As believers, when we go into our jobs, we are representing Christ. So when you're working, you're saying, you know what, I'm working unto the Lord because as you do that, you know, I, one of the things I love seeing, like, you know, people posting on this, oh, I got employee of the month or whatever. And stuff. I'm like, yes, go for it. Believers should be employees of the month every month. Amen? Yeah. All right. Number five. And this is the simplest Probably the hardest sometimes when we're going through tough times. Remember what he has done before. And rest in that knowledge that what? He will do it again, church. He will do it again. If he's done it before, he will do it again. And you might be thinking, but oh, God has never been good to me. He's not done. Hey, guess what? If you are finding it difficult to think of what God has done for you, remember this morning. You woke up. Oh, come on. Do we take that for granted? We woke up this morning and for that reason alone, God deserves all the glory, all the praise. And we say, God, thank you. I saw another day. Thank you. I have this opportunity to praise you once again. Thank you. I get to come into your house. Thank you. I get to worship you in freedom because all across the world, there are people who are not able to do what we're doing right now. Do you know that? Do not take for granted what God has done for you, church. In this country. You see, I, I'm, I now can actually say with some pretty you know, confidence that, you know what, I thank God for the NHS. I really do. I really, really do. I thank God for this country. I thank God that, hey, we are able to do things that we were not able to do maybe 20 years ago. See, we have to actually remember God. Remember what he has done for us. Because God has been good to us, church. You might be going through tough times, but you know what? He has been good to us. He has protected. See, you know, my pastor always says, you know, imagine if God took away his protection just for 24 hours. You might be sitting there, you're thinking God hasn't been good. But you know, God is constantly protecting you. You do not know what you're being protected from right now. You know, you know it's, and sometimes you might know. You might be like, oh, yes, I nearly got run over by a car. But hey, God is working behind the scenes, making sure that, you know what, the enemy does not take you out. And that is what we need to continually thank God for. When I was saying, you know what, we should not take um, the opportunity to praise God for granted. Every time we are worshiping God, we should open our eye, our mouths, we should lift our hands and we should say, thank you God for saving me. Thank you God for protecting me. Thank you God for breaking through for my family. Thank you God for healing me. Thank you God that you're providing for me. Thank you God that you're gonna provide for me. Thank you, God. If it's not here yet, I know it's on the way. 
thank him before the blessing comes. See, I'm preaching this because even I need to thank him for things that are on their way. Because you know what? Sometimes we struggle. Church, we struggle. As believers, we go through some tough times. My wife and I, we go through tough times. But we have to say, you know what? God, I know it's on the way. And I'm thanking you before it comes. Because you've got nothing else to stand on except God's promises. And he has promised that he is going to do good by us. And we have to believe that. The more we believe that, the more he moves upon us. And the more you cannot help but worship him and say, you know what? To God be all the glory. To God be all the praise. Nobody else. See, sometimes we, we, we put our faith in our jobs. We put our faith in the government. No, put your faith in God because only he can do it, church. And I want to encourage you today that, you know what? Do not ever take God for granted. Because God is on your side. God has done it before. And church, he will do it again. I believe that. He will do it again. He will do it again. See, in Joshua 24, in 14, like after he's reminded the people, he said, you know what? He's told them everything that they're going to do. And this is one of the famous scriptures that we always, uh, you know, sometimes we quote. He says this. Joshua 14, therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped before. See, we need to get rid of some things. We need to get rid of the distractions. We need to get rid of things that are not of God in our lives. We need to come before God and say, you know what, I want to be pure before you. He says, but if, but if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you, will you worship? The gods of your father's worship or the gods of the Amorites? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my family, church, we are going to worship the Lord. And the thing is, he continues. He doesn't just end there. Because the people are like, oh, we will, we will worship God because he's rescued us. We will worship him because he's done this for us. We, and sometimes we remember. But then quickly we forget. So he was like, no, 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 no. He comes back. He's like, actually, you know what? You're saying all of this. But Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. But no, the people answered, no, we will worship the Lord. And that's what we need to say today. That when we're faced through troubles, we say, no, I'm going to worship God. When we're facing difficult situation, no, I will worship the Lord. Can you stand with me for one minute and let's just worship God right now? Because you know what? My God will do it again. My God is a faithful God. My God will heal us. My God is a faithful God.